Welcome to Social Distancing the Church. This is episode 10, and this episode's a bigger episode. For the first time, I am recording in person with Rob Wilms. So it was a different experience just being able to physically meet with the person rather than talk over Zoom. And so that was really exciting. I've also done upgrades as you can see I've got a new mic now which enabled me to do this in-person interview and not only was it my first in-person interview but I've also expanded my team to include my brother Calvin Lysol. Hi guys. So Calvin's helping me on the back end just setting up interviews, um, helping me write the questions, as well as doing audio editing before, even though I'm a sound guy, I didn't do any post-production on my audio, and so now we're doing improvements there as well, and also helping on social media and just all the back end, as well as helping hosts as well. We've got this uh, post interview show that we have later on in this episode. Is there anything else you want to add there, Calvin? Uh, not really. The biggest thing is, is I just want to see, I want to hear from you guys what you, what questions, what questions do you want us to ask? And what, do you, what are your thoughts about this? Because Brandon and I are just two guys who don't know a lot of stuff and trying to fill our quarantine. So, if you guys want to talk to, if you guys have questions you want us to ask, drop us a, drop us a message in Instagram. We'll love to interact with you guys, and we'll love to hear what your thoughts are and have that continue the discussion. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, that's what we've got for this introduction. So and, oh, another thing. If you guys have a person you think should would be great on this podcast, let us know. Give us our their contact info, and we'll try and set it up. So, yeah, and it doesn't even have to be necessarily like a pastor. Um, as I was doing the prep work before I started recording these episodes is I phrased it as ministry leaders. Because um, worship team leaders, their experience is radically different as well. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be pastors. It's just somebody doing ministry in COVID is people we'd love to have guests. And so, yeah, now I'll transition now to my interview with Rob Wilms. And like I said, this is our first time recording in person, so it's a new experience, new things to learn, but yeah, I'll turn it over now. So today I'm joined with Rob Wilms of Avalon Alliance, and we are in person for the first time. Um, so Rob is the lead pastor of Avalon here in Saskatoon, which is a smaller church. What's roughly your congregation? Around size? 200. 200? Okay, and yeah, just here in the middle of Saskatoon. 
So anything else you want to comment there? Avalon Alliance Church. <laughs> yeah, in the south end of Saskatoon. Yeah. So starting with the technology questions, how did you transition to not being able to hold your services in person? Yeah, so when it first started, what we did is uh, we made the decision not to live stream. Uh, we didn't have anything in place for live streaming. Uh, we hadn't been doing that beforehand. So um, we considered the possibility and and of doing a full sermon and worship here. But we, uh, we decided that at least for the first while, and it ended up being right up until we were allowed to meet in person, that we started uh, doing pre-recorded videos. And so I would record a message. Um, it was more of a devotional is what I ended up doing. So probably about 15 minutes each time. And, um, and then we had our worship leaders that had been scheduled right into the summer doing acoustic sets in their own homes. Um, so it was interesting because some of our teams have different people who could do the the singing and the music together. And so some of those teams would do a couple songs uh, in one house and then they had it recorded uh, someone else in, in the same team doing another song or two. Um, so it worked out quite well. And then some of them just would do their own. But we did about three songs in each video and we did my devotional, and then we would do a, a kind of a kid's talk. We had a um, one person in our church that did, just did a really good job doing some videos for uh, the kids that were part kind of connected to the devotional and that sort of thing. I actually changed our sermon schedule as well because we were initially planning on working through First John um, after Easter, and... So we finished off our sermon series up to Easter and then did Easter and then we, uh, we actually, what I had changed it to was the Lord's Prayer. So we did, uh, leading up to the summer, the Lord's Prayer as uh, breaking that out and, and working on each section for devotionals and that went quite well. The only other thing I'd say is, so most of it was pre-recorded videos, but we did do Zoom uh, once a month where we actually did it as a service. It was very different. Um, but the first time that we did it was on Good Friday and we did Easter Sunday. And the idea was is that we wanted to see one another. And, uh, and so it was really meaningful to do that, but it was also because we were doing communion. And there was a big concern about, you know, should we be doing communion in this time where we can't get gather together physically? Um, and what we decided is that God is, that Jesus is present with us in each one of those places that we find ourselves in. And that as we gather together electronically, he's not limited by that. And so we decided to uh, receive communion together. We asked people to have their elements ready, and they would uh, receive communion together online uh, over Zoom as we did that. So I was here uh, with my family, and we did it on stage with our communion table there. 
and uh, and it was just uh, everything went quite well. It was also really helpful when we did Zoom services to be able to engage uh, other people in the service. Yeah. So we had different people reading scripture, different people doing stuff. The hardest thing with Zoom was our uh, our music. Um, we did we did the first one where we actually had the people playing uh, over Zoom. And the sound just is not good that way. Zoom compression for music, just, it's not there. And our tech guy did a great job trying to work around that as best as possible, but it just didn't work well. So after that, we just started recording uh, our, our music beforehand and then having him play it on his computer uh, as projected on everybody's screen, so. Um, so you said there was pre-recorded services. How were you hosting that? Was that on YouTube or Facebook or? Um, yeah, we uh, we used YouTube. Um, it's interesting because we kind of went in a different route than a lot of churches. We didn't actually make them public. Uh, so we, we had them unlisted and just sent out the, the link to our church. Um, so over the whole, uh, basically shut down, we, we actually changed our Facebook page to private and it became a significant way for people to communicate regularly. Like we'd never had so many people writing and commenting, um, and talking on our Facebook page. And there was enough stuff that was private prayer requests, different things that were going on, that, that that's why we made it private. Um, and it just really allowed our church to be able to connect over this medium. Not everybody did, but a, a majority of our church did that. And, um, and so it, it, was, it was actually quite helpful and so all the videos, we would just post the, the link up on either the link for that or for Zoom up on the private Facebook page. Um, and then we would also send it out over email every week. So through those two ways, most people got it. Um, I, I know there was lots of churches that felt that they were reaching a lot more people yeah. over COVID. Um, I, I've kind of wondered who those people are and have often wondered that, you know, it's probably friends and family. And I don't mean to be too critical of that, but I just don't know if we're reaching a lot of new people through this as much as uh, people either viewing it a couple times because they didn't finish or that sort of thing. The numbers are just very uncertain. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to how many numbers of viewings you have on YouTube or Facebook Live or that sort of thing. And so I just we just felt that that wasn't something we needed to try and concern ourselves with is connecting with people outside of the church at this time because a lot of churches were doing that. And we had a lot of people who needed um, just care and, and community during this time. And also, like, where you're physically located, you're not far from Circle Drive Alliance. Yeah. Which they can reach this area of Saskatoon just as well with higher production quality. So, in a sense, you kind of leaned into one of what I would assume is a more defining feature of Avalon, which is... Yeah. Yeah, and that that's very much... 
the case for our church is um, th- that's probably the biggest strength that we have. We've kind of called ourselves a small town church in, in the city um, because we are just so much more um, communal in in our uh, ways of doing things, and we're we're very much fellowship oriented, and um, and so it was just wanting to be able to figure out how to walk with one another, and yeah, not too concerned with trying to get all our production and everything else figured out um, in a way that's gonna gonna try and draw people during this time. That wasn't our concern. Um, it's not that we weren't concerned with people outside of the church during this time, but a lot of that would have been communicated in how we as individuals uh, respond to and care for our fellow friends and family uh, during this time rather than trying to do it through a online service. So you mentioned how your services looked when you weren't open. Um when you could start moving to having people in the service, as I'm finding out, not everybody's rushing to get back. So how was your online and in-person service like in a hybrid model? Yeah, um, so that, that's interesting because I found out how many churches really weren't rushing to get back. Um, and, and that was one of the areas where we did. Um, again, that's, you know, for us, it's big to be able to meet together and to be in, in one another's presence. Um, but we've, uh, we've followed all the guidelines. We, um, we removed rows in our, in our church, as you can see, um, and spread things out. And our church is, um, we have 280 seats, so with the 30% or up to 150, 30% of our seating is 84. So what we did is we communicated with our congregation, asking them to let us know. So, so this is why we took an extra week. I don't think we opened the first Sunday we could have. It was the second Sunday. Getting um, that first Sunday would have been a yeah yeah because I think they announced it on Friday or something like that the the extra numbers so um, but what we did is we sent out an email to our whole congregation put it up on our Facebook page asking them to to let us know directly um, if they wanted to come and meet in person Um, and and that way we said what we'll probably be doing is creating two rotations um, now, our average attendance is between 180 to 200 on regular before COVID times. Um, so we figured 84 is 168 for two, two rotations. And we knew that there were going to be people who didn't want to come back right away. And so sure enough, we had about 60 to 70 people sign up for the different rotations. We decided not to do two services. Um, because of the challenges of having to sanitize in between services and uh, and that sort of thing. But also... And you just got to run a lot more timely on two services. Yeah, yeah. And even our volunteers and everything, just asking them to, to be there for a whole morning and, and all that was uncertain. So, um, But we did set up uh, with uh, our our tech guy at the church actually set up and he still has it there with along with a good camera now 
but his uh, his iPhone, and we just did basic live streaming on Facebook Live. Um, so what we said is we're going to do the in-person service, and it'll be rot- rotation every two weeks. You'll get to come, and the other week uh, it, it'll be live streamed. But we encourage people to get gather together in cohorts um, to be able to watch the service together. And, uh, and so we've had, a, we've had a number of cohorts uh, start in our church, small groups, however you want to call it. We just ended up using the word cohort. Um, and, uh, and so that's, uh, that's been good. And what we tried to do is we put cohorts together in the service on the rotation so that on, when they're not in the service, they would be able to gather together. So that's what we, uh, we did go ahead with. And, uh, and it worked pretty well. Our, um, our live stream stuff was actually quite good from the beginning. Um, he really set it up well. This kind of keeps leaning, doesn't it? There we go. Um, but, uh, but we did, you know, we've, we've kind of added things along the way. And we're even now still trying to figure out, like, He's got that, what would you call it? Because I'm not a tech guy, but a switch for uh, yeah, live stream stuff. switcher. Yeah, so he can just go from different shots, um, partly because when, when I'm preaching, um, they don't have to have it on me all the time. So when I put up a new slide, we're, we're about to get it started where it would just go to that slide as the video screen for the first 30 yeah. seconds or so, just so people can read it because... We have that larger, particularly in the preaching uh, screen that he has set up, but it, it's still not the full screen and people don't see it well enough on there. So Yeah, I know like at Westgate as well, what we do is like when Pastor Frank has a, has a scripture up, instead of just having a video shot of him reading the scripture, we just, he has a slide, we throw up it as a full screen because it's just... Even like the corner shot, it's yeah. it's hard to read if it's a text dense slide. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so so that's been great, and and I think uh, I'll leave you to ask more questions if you have, because I can tell you more details of what we've done in those services. But I think you. Um, I'll kind of move on here. Um, yeah. So things I noticed is. The way your stage works in an online format, it works really well. You've kind of got your preaching side over here. You got your band side over there. Yeah. And then where your projector screen sits kind of works almost as a picture-in-picture thing. Yeah. So did you um, redesign your stage at all for online services? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when you mentioned that earlier, I... Uh I, I didn't even think about that, but no, we didn't design it that way. Uh, our worship's always been off to that side. One of the things we did get is that uh, electronic drum set um, for all the video online video stuff. It just was better. Um, but we, uh, we've always kind of had our worship team over to that side. Uh, one of the challenges we have had, which is why there's that blue tape there, on the, <laughs> so very technical. Um, we have to, as preachers, stand on the other side of that because they they actually enlarge the screen yeah. um, for the the preacher shot, and uh, and so 
if you stand on the other side of that, you can often get your head in the in the screen. So we've we've had to clarify that for people. Yeah. Yeah. And like the other thing is is um, having that clipping your head it's so easy you just don't think about it you're like oh i can walk around and then yeah nope your head's gone behind yeah and so it does it does stop our preachers from walking around as much too yeah and also even just moving to digital jobs like you don't have this big uh sanctuary so you if a drama gets a bit more enthusiastic it doesn't have that problem like i've done sound and it's like oh and now this drummer is really getting into this song and i'm gonna get a noise complaint from some people in the congregation and there's nothing i can do about it yeah. but with the digital drums it's that problem solves itself yeah and like also like stage redesign like it's one of those things where you can do more in an online thing. So it's like, oh, I could redesign my stage, but then you're now in person and it's like, you can't really keep up with all this new stuff you've done. Like, yeah. I know at Westgate, we redesigned our stage a few times to see what works. And at one point it's like, this worked fine, but this isn't going to work for in person. So... Yeah. While we experimented, we had to go back as soon as we were into a hybrid service model. Right. So I noticed in your announcements that you are doing Zoom prayer meetings. How has that been going? And what has your attendance been like in prayer meetings pre-COVID to now in an online format? That's yeah, a great question because we we did have a group that we're meeting on Sunday mornings Um often around 8.30 or so um, before we had Sunday school. Um, and, and what happened uh, was in light of COVID, um, and it was the full shutdown where we were doing videos and people could kind of watch whenever they wanted to. Um, we had talked, uh, the, the lady that was had been leading that prayer group and there was probably about four or five people coming. So it wasn't too much, uh, before COVID, um, and said, well, why don't we use zoom and allow for people to gather in prayer during this time? Um, you know, and not at eight thirty because it's, it's pretty busy, uh, or it, not pretty busy, but it, since we're not meeting at 1030, it gives people time to sleep in, to uh, to be more interested in coming when it doesn't get in, in the way of their uh, early morning routines. And so we ended up, um, and I'm trying to remember if it was 9 or 9.30. Um, I'm thinking it was 9.30. And we ended up uh, meeting then. And we had, uh, it, it started with about probably 20, 25 people and over time, uh, throughout that, it was it was more around forty people regularly. Um, so it was really good. And we had it, what was nice about it too was it was also families. Like there were kids that came and were part of it and that sort of thing. And so um, 
we uh, we had a just some meaningful times together, and it was one of the things that we said we don't want this to end, in light of going back to regular services, um, but it has uh, shrunk a fair amount because um, when we went back to services, it was in the summer, so we were doing ten o'clock, and so they moved it back to eight thirty, um, and we were. Uh, we were meeting, but for me, I'm not able to attend it all that often anymore because we were coming here to get everything set up for the service. And uh, there was always, especially at the beginning, extra things that were needed. And I know that lots of people uh, were planning on coming to the service, weren't able to come. And so it's kind of dwindled down again. Um, And it's something that I'm looking into what we can do to to continue to encourage this um but unfortunately i myself don't find the time to do it as much as i'd like so it may be even needing to look at at changing the time or the day even that we would do a prayer meeting yeah i was wondering if you've considered like moving it to midweeks because one of the big things with online churches is you don't have to have people physically come. So it's, it's easier to engage people, or at least you'd think it'd be easier to engage people midweek when it's like, oh, you're at home after work on Wednesday. Yeah. Here we are online. And there's at least a lower barrier of entry mm-hmm. online. Yeah. So it might be something that on like a Wednesday evening you might... It might work, it might not. So my next question is, um, do you feel like you have to compete with bigger churches in terms of online service production, especially as you are only 10 minutes down the road from Circle Drive Alliance? How do you negotiate the topic of production quality at your small, smaller church? Yeah, um, it's not something we've really thought too much about in that respect. Um, I I would say we've tried to do our best, but we haven't felt like we have to um, do a uh, a top notch job at it. Um, so we're we're not having you know multiple cameras with different headshots and that sort of thing. It's always just focused on the stage um, and not a, a zooming in on the. Uh, the speaker or on the worship team or that sort of thing. Um, The biggest thing for us is figuring out the details of like getting it up on the screen, um, just the screen on the camera and that sort of thing so people can read. So we're thinking more functionally, not not artistically, I would say. Um, and, And that's, yeah, that's just... I would say because we don't feel that pressure from our church or our viewers to, to have it done in a way that, that impresses in, in that sense, but more just gives people the opportunity to join in our worship from home if they're not allowed to be here. Yeah. Um, so. And kind of going off that, a big struggle churches have been facing is how to maintain community when unable to meet in person how have you tried to foster a sense of community online and how effective has it been yeah so i think 
I mean, what I shared earlier would definitely be the fostering community online was encouraging people to gather um, for the prayer meetings, um, for any type, kind of Zoom meetings that we had, particularly for those services. Um, but, uh, and, and I would say also, like, we, we actually had a number of things that we offered that were, during that time, we did a uh, together for good, which is a marriage series that that is with uh, family life, and um, and so we we did that every weekend. Uh, I think I forget how many sessions there were, four or six, something like that. And so we we did it over Zoom rather than just saying, "Okay, here's the link, watch it." We actually said, "Join us on Zoom, and we can chat for a while beforehand, and we'll do the." The marriage uh, s- seminar that night, uh, or um, workshop, whatever you want to call it, and then we'll we'll chat some more afterwards. And um, and so it's just nice to be able to see people. And it was simple things like that that we would even just try and do on Zoom rather than just provide people resources for it. Um, and then there were also, uh, particularly a w- our women's ministry, use Zoom a lot for different meetings that they would do um, where they had p- people from our congregation give testimonies and that sort of thing. So um, that would be the online stuff. Uh, but we really tried to encourage as soon as they opened up housing to be able to have people into your homes and that sort of thing. We encouraged the cohort thing and, uh, and encourage people to gather together to worship. Um, and that's one of the things that I was quite clear on uh, at the end of the summer too is because we had shared it at the beginning of the summer and, and then wanted to reiterate to people that this is, this is how we're going to be able to be in community during this time. Um, because it's really hard otherwise. You know, even on Sunday mornings, we come and we see each other, but we don't get to spend the kind of time we're used to spending. Yeah. Um, Avalon, you know, what's huge here is our, our monthly hospitality lunch, uh, which is basically potluck, and uh, we're not doing that now. You know, all these things that we were used to having together um, even one of the things, because of rotations, we're actually looking at in, in two weeks changing up our rotations because we've had those rotations since the beginning of the summer and people in one rotation haven't seen the people in the other rotation all summer long or even into the fall. So now we're trying to change those up while still keeping cohorts together. Um, but in order that we can see some of those people we haven't seen for quite a while. So that's all the ways we're trying to foster community. Yeah, I think that's very much, I would assume there's some tension on Wesker because we're on a two-service model as it's, oh, I miss seeing this one person that's at 11 o'clock service and I'm at the 9.30. I haven't heard anything about that, but I assume that's another conversation where it's like, kind of you're used to meeting as one big group and as soon as you split it into two groups, it's... yeah. One, it's interesting because one of the things that you have to do is we're trying to uh, participate with the government in helping to not spread COVID more than it needs to. And so 
you know, the idea of having a rotation is helpful in that sense that you're not mixing people together more than more than you have to. Um, but it's been four months now. So we figured we can mix up the rotations now and they can be together for four, four months or so at this point too. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not mixing up cohorts and not changing the cohorts, but it's kind of, you know, there's two or three cohorts in each rotation Well, we can switch up a couple of those and that way people are still seeing one another. So. Yeah. So now moving more into the theology side of things, um, as Marshall McLuhan says, the medium is the message. This means that some changes would have to be made when transitioning from in-person services to online services. What changes did you decide to make? Um, yeah, it's interesting because we, we've been very aware that people sitting in front of a screen is not the same as people sitting in chairs in the service. Yeah. Um, so Avalon is very used to hour and a half long services. Um, and so often we've had like five or six songs in our main set <laughs> before I get up to preach. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's changed a fair amount because we're trying to respect and recognize people's ability to sit in front of a TV or a screen for, for that long. And, um, and so we've, we've been careful of that. Um, we've, uh, we haven't felt like we need to, um, cut our service in some ways and we don't want to cut out important things, but, um, but I think still that, that three songs for a main set has been probably a positive thing for us during this time. Um, so we've, we've asked worship leaders to keep that to, uh, three songs. We've taken out, uh, an opening song. Um, which is what we always have done at the church. And it's, it's kind of weird sometimes because people do talk about Avalon time since I got here six years ago, where it is true what, during that first song, you see the, the, the seats fill. <laughs> and people are never there right at the strike, stroke of 10 in the summer or 10.30 in our regular time. And so um, I get up to start a service and there's probably about... I'd say 30 to 40% of the people that are going to be there on the Sunday. And we are already low with 84 people. So it's, it's like you're talking to just a few people um, and uh, doing the welcome. And we always do a call to worship. And then we just start into the songs. And so, um, so yeah, that, that's been interesting. We do, what, what we've added to is COVID talk <laughs> at the beginning too. So before we do the call to worship, we just kind of remind people of the things that we're doing. I kind of try and highlight certain things of the regulations that we're doing, um, or like with this plan to change the uh, uh, the rotations. You know, take that opportunity to announce that there, and so the people online, you know, are waiting by ten thirty often because it's easier to just turn on your screen than people coming here on time. And so they're catching those announcements, but I don't know how many people that are <laughs> coming uh, will catch it. 
But yeah, so and and then what we've done is we've we've actually moved our announcements to the end of the service. We always used to have them at the beginning. And as a <clears throat> a more family-oriented church and community-oriented church, announcements have always been important here. Um we probably do way too many announcements and too long that that would be our side of airing rather than the other side. Um, so we've tried to cut those down a little bit, but we also have moved them to the end of the service and it's actually been helpful. So we're just able to move through. The only other thing that we've added is a kids talk. Um, because right now we don't have our junior church is what we call it or our preschool. Um, so our kids are in the service and we do have what we call busy bags um, that we have are now handing out differently than we used to uh, as well, but they're still available. And, uh, and so the kids are in the service the whole time. So we've asked worship teams, you know, if there's a kid-friendly song that they can add to the set. And we've asked preachers, because I've mentioned preachers a few times. I, I preach more than than most here in the congregation, but I, I do have a preaching team, and I, I believe that's important to foster the gifts of the community. So I've, I've never just held to holding on to the pulpit tightly. So we've had a lot of different people preaching over these this time. And... Um, and yeah, so we've asked people to to share, just just to try and be aware in their illustrations and that sort of thing that that there are kids in the service, and you know if you add something that might connect with kids more, that's helpful, um, that sort of thing. And and the last thing is we've asked them, uh, including myself, and I'm probably the worst at this, but to try and keep sermons between twenty five to thirty minutes max. Um, so I noticed like because throughout this I've watched numerous online churches mm-hmm. and you there's been a few churches but it's like it really stands out there's like some churches that are like hey we're going to include kids in our services and you were one of them so I think and even hearing you talk it's like you're mentioning kids time after time again and it's like it kind of shows that this is a core value of your church is that is how you have included kids throughout this online thing. It's mm. really reflecting what I assume is a strong value of your church of children. Yeah, and we do have a lot of we have a lot of young families and a lot of kids in our church. Um, I myself have four, <laughs> so um, so I'm aware of those things and those needs myself, but uh, I know that it's it's a need for a lot of people in our church and things have changed a lot. So we do want to make sure that kids know that that we recognize they're there. Yeah. And kind of you mentioned also the call to worship. And so what I noticed when I watch is that you have done responsive aspects in your service where like, like responsive readings and stuff like that. How has that been going in online and mm. hybrid services? Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. Um, and, and there hasn't been too much, but we, we do, like I've done a fair amount of responsive readings at different times for particularly like our Good Friday service and, 
um, Christmas Eve and different things like that. Um, but we've done a little bit here. We've, we've tried to, um, we, we just know that there's some things that are going to be awkward for people on, on screen. Um, but we're trying not to have that change drastically what we do as part of our worship. Um, and, and just allow people to feel that awkwardness if we need to, because I still believe, and, and this is where, um, I might be answering some of, of what you're going to ask down the road here, but the, the issue is still the church is the ecclesia is the gathered people. And I, I truly believe that, um, there is the universal church and that that's really important that we, we are all one in Christ and present with him because he's always present with us. Um, but I would tend to be, um, more someone who would say the universal church is only the universal church because of the local church. Normally people would say it the other way around, I find. But I, I think the local church, it, it comes down to the, the incarnation of Christ. Jesus came to a specific people, to a specific time and place. And you can't get around that in, in our day and age, in our world, in, our, in his created order where we have, we're all limited by time and space. And so God isn't, but God even in the incarnation came as the son accepting those limitations in his lifetime and we as part of his followers walk in that same obedience and so the local space where we are the incarnate the ongoing incarnate presence of Jesus needs to be the 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 starting place for the universal church um, and so I'm, I'm a big believer and as a pastor, I think I have to be, but I really am a big believer in the local church. And I believe that it's important that we are the gathered people. And so, um, that, that's the concern with a lot of this technology talk, um, through COVID, you know, I, this has been great that we've incorporated live stream services, because we have some people in our church that um, we weren't uh, present with uh, for a while because they haven't been able to come to our services. And they still called our church home. And so now we're, we're able to uh, include them in ways that we couldn't before. Um, but I would still say that, that the primary focus of our church will still be the, the gathering of the people um, and then the sending out of the people as that presence of Christ into the places that we live. But that's, um, that's my, my feeling on it. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how things change. And, and I'm, I've just been a little concerned with how much enthusiasm people are giving towards online services and people attending because now there's online services because um, that's just not the kind of community that I think Christ calls us into uh, in the same way. And the other thing is, like, while well, you mentioned it might be awkward on screen, 
but when I was at Ambos helping them with their online services, um, Ambos is chaplain Terry Farr. He's he's got a liturgical uh, leading, and so he'd do like written out traditional prayers and stuff. And I was assuming going in as I'm editing this video, so I'm like, oh, we're going to lose engagement here. And then through the song, we're going to have to like try and regain those viewers. Mm. But I was looking at the analytics and it's like the more liturgical responsive stuff was where the engagement was at. And I was mm. like, this kind of the, uh, subverts my expectations. So Interesting. When I saw you guys doing more responsive stuff i was wondering what that's been like in online because mm -hmm. and we haven't we haven't heard anything from people one way or the other what we do uh always end our services at after that um devotional series in the lord's prayer that we did during covid is is we've ended as our benediction always now the lord's prayer and uh and that i think has been meaningful for our church and so, yeah, that, that would be, uh, like, we don't even put it up there. We just assume people are going to pick up on it, even if they don't know it by heart yet. Um, and, uh, and so we just pray that together out loud. Um, so I assume that sort of thing isn't as difficult for people online as maybe if we were to add a, um, a, responsive reading that might that they might not know where it's you know the leader and then the people and and that sort of thing so that could be a little more difficult and would require us to have just the screen up rather than um the other but yeah no it's it's uh it's been good um and i i haven't felt like we need to change things drastically i, I think for us it's just been we need to be more aware uh of of both our service here and our our, our congregants online as well. Yeah, because one thing I've heard is very much uh, moving to two campus churches now, where it's like we have our online congregation and our on-site congregation. Mm. So it's like you, while you can't completely. It, tailor the service to online you can't ignore me either it's kind of you got to find that balance and yeah and you know i'm um i really do believe larger churches have their place and i'm i'm not negative about um about them i think they they provide things that we can't as a smaller church um but i i do believe that at the heart of it um, the church is first, the, the people, uh, gathered together. And, and that means, um, in, in one another's space. And if this was a long-term thing, um, you know, I don't know, like I, I'm a firm believer that we don't disobey the government unless it goes against our allegiance to Christ. And I have not felt that what they're asking us to do goes against our allegiance to Christ. They're not asking us, um, they're not telling us who to worship. They're just giving us practical uh, how-tos uh, to take precautions in our worship. And and so I've certainly had people in our congregation who think we 
we shouldn't be following those. Um, and, and I don't believe that would be right. Um, but if this was a long-term, the church can't meet anymore, um, then, then I feel like that would be a different thing for me. Um, and it would have to be considered uh, in terms of what I really believe the church is. And, and I don't think that that would be something I could, I could sit with. Um, so, yeah. And kind of talking about gathering, um, communion is one of the biggest points of struggles with online churches, with like normally gathering is a part of communion for mm-hmm. a church's theology. So how's, you've touched upon it briefly with like the Zoom and early sages. But how has your church approached communion in these times? Yeah, so the very first time that we did it, um, once we had gathered together, we um, we actually sent an email out asking people to bring their own elements. Um, we said we're going to be practicing it. Those that will be online, we invite you to prepare your own elements. Um, and those that would be coming, we asked them to bring um, but we figured that this might be an issue and that there would be people who don't bring it or forget to or that sort of thing. And, and sure enough, it was something where we ended up having to um, go out and purchase some stuff that morning. Um, and what we did, we actually have one of our, our uh, nurses in the congregation. He actually put on a mask and uh, gloves and handed out and we just asked people to go and receive we had it at the back at the time um, and we asked people to go and receive giving space between uh, the next and if there's a family you know one or two people go and receive the elements and bring them back uh, rather than coming and receiving there because our regular liturgy for communion is actually people coming to the front and receiving, we often say the the, the blood the uh, blood of Christ shed for you, the the body of Christ broken for you, and you, they receive right there. Um, now we have people coming, receiving the elements and going to sit down, and then we we receive them together. Um, and so, and we've started to do it at the front now. Um, and we haven't asked people to bring their own elements anymore, but we, we definitely do very different elements now. Um, we've gone to, we have, we have celiacs in our congregation. So a long while ago, we, we changed to gluten-free bread for everything. Um, so instead now, because of the bread complications of things, we just have gluten-free crackers, um, that are handed out by, uh, one person, with gloves on, with a mask, and uh, with tongs, and then the uh, the the juice is handed out yeah. uh, each of the separate cups. Um, so, yeah, it's um, there. There's a difficulty in that we do every once a month on the second service of each month, and we never just we just didn't think about the reality that it, for the first two months, it was the one rotation two months in a row. And then these last three, including November have been the other rotation three months in a row. So we just didn't realize that that would be an issue that, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of alternating, alternating, uh, 
these rotations getting a chance to, to participate in, in person here. Um, but we do encourage people to do it at home as well uh, on the live stream. And particularly the idea is in the cohorts, it, it, they have that community together as they receive as well. So we send out an email beforehand. Every week we send out an email with the, here's the rotation for this week. And if it's a communion Sunday, we encourage people to have the, the elements present. And interesting thing when you had people bring in their own communion um when i talked to uh bryce ashamayo uh who's at west side in calgary and their theology of communion as they switch they're like you're in a di- you're a disciple now disciples prepare communion mm. prepare your communion so it's like having people bring their own well that was short-lived it's like that could have potentially made for like some theological impacts. Yeah. Where it's like people are preparing their own communion and it, it reaffirms the priesthood of all believers because now people are preparing their own communion rather than just showing up. Even like the people who are still at home online, they get to prepare communion now. It's not yeah. the special people. Yeah, and it really has pushed people's theology of of communion and of the ordinance or sacraments or yeah. however people would call it. Because I would say regarding um, baptism and communion, I, I'm probably more high church in the in the sense of I really see them as as incredibly important as a as an acting out the gospel um, in our in our church and. Though I, I, I'm still Protestant in my approach to communion, I really do believe in the real presence of Christ with us. Not just at communion, but at all times as a church. Um, but specifically in that kind of act that we take part in in communion, there's something significant there that, that Christ instituted in a way that he is present with us through it. And so I... Um, yeah, I've struggled through all that um, and and just felt that what I said earlier, Christ is not limited um, by space like we are. And so he he's still present with us in those places. And um, it, for me, it was still a matter of, well, if we're doing this, we're going to do Zoom. <laughs> that was my one concession in the sense of, we need to be at least uh, technologically present with one another, um, be able to see each other's faces as we receive communion together. Um, and so yeah, I think that was, it was mean, meaningful for me at least in that regard. Yeah, and like it's, the interesting thing is the whole communion theology where it's like, Protestant churches are now like, especially evangelicals in the online format, they're like, we still need to do communion. This is an important thing. Meanwhile, more of like the traditional liturgical churches, which have a higher view of communion, they're like, yeah, we can just kind of withhold on this and kind of take a moment. So it's kind of this weird inverse. Yeah. It's like, 
oh, the evangelicals are the big ones pushing for sacraments now and yeah. withholding sacraments, which I find is interesting. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, it's like when those traditional churches finally get to take communion again, that's going to be a big, meaningful moment. And yeah. it's, it's a time of fasting for them. And mm-hmm. If you have a pastor who can explain that well, it, you can get meaning out of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, we've kind of touched on this already, but... Sunday services tend to get a lot of attention regarding COVID. How is the other areas of ministry being impacted, such as your children's ministry, you said? Yeah. Um, so we've, uh, it's interesting, and I don't know, um, I'm pretty sure our desire has been to follow regulations uh, in all of what we're doing. Um, but, uh, but, some of the ways that things are communicated seem to be uh, uncertain and mostly we're following day camp guidelines which is what we were told Um, but we have we've we're doing uh, youth um, our Awana program and quizzing so those are the three ministries that really are still happening during this time Um, but youth is every every second Monday and it's it's been under 15 uh, for that so so that's good and we're we're encouraging um, physical distancing in those times Um, and then our Awana program is interesting because we have um, there's kind of three age groups uh, in it and so what we've been told is is at any time in the week the church can gather with the 30% number. Um, but if it depends on what it is in terms of like, we can't all meet here in this sanctuary as 84, if they're all kids. And so what we're doing with that is we have um, under 15 numbers wise in, in these three different places. And we, so we have a lot less Awana kids. Like in the previous years, we've had about a hundred or more every Wednesday night now we we have you know 40 to 50 um, but there's 15 here in the sanctuary um, there's under 10 of our uh, cubbies in the the other area of the church where there's three separate rooms that we can split them up in if need be um, and they use the washroom in there in the nursery area the the people here use the washrooms in the hallway and then the uh, the other kids, uh, the middle age, the Sparkies, are downstairs, and there's 15 or under there, and they use the washrooms downstairs. So they're really three separate spaces yeah. in our church, with much under our 84 limit, um, and we we have them wear masks right until they get to their spots, um, and then they're able to take them off. But as of this Friday, they'll have to be wearing them. Um, so I guess that would be next Wednesday uh, throughout the whole night. Yeah. But um, that's how we were doing it, so that we make sure because they're in they're in their different spots. So if they're not going to wear masks while they're coming in, then it kind of makes it useless to have them in different spots. Yeah. So that's what we've done with uh, Awana, and then the last group um, is our quizzing group, 
which we have two groups, one upstairs, one downstairs, because there's just a little over 15 in our quizzing program. So, um, so yeah, we've, we've still carried on with those, um, but we are following all the guidelines that we know of in that regard. It'll be interesting to see if we do, um, if numbers are restricted for church stuff as well. Yeah. They're restricted for home, but they haven't said anything about church numbers or that they can't category, yeah. which that's a big one. Yeah. And it it seems like from what I've heard, it's a very smart approach where instead of you flagging kind of your youth group as a worship service, which I've heard some churches have decided to do, you've instead followed the day camp and just split it up into multiple groups so you still within the day camp, but you're running three day camps instead of just yeah. one big worship service, which I think is also the smarter approach, just being like, hey, let's let's play it safe with our restrictions. Let's not be that church that bent the rules and yeah. now they're getting backlash on media because of an outbreak. But yeah, I think kind of your approach is really smart. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. We're doing our best. And also just, like, not abandoning other areas of ministry because, like, everybody's talking about Sunday service, but it's like, what about the midweek programs? Like, kids are part of the church, too. You can't just completely abandon them, but Mm -hmm. that's also the group that's really hard because you can't just be, like, stay two meters apart because they're kids. Mm -hmm. They're not going to stay two meters apart. Yeah. So during COVID is a good time to start changes in churches as it can be justified for optimizations for online services. Is there changes that have been made during COVID that you want to continue going forward? And is there changes that have been made that you want to reverse once like all the restrictions are gone? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because it, I think it'll make us more thoughtful whatever the case, um, you know, in terms of potlucks, in terms of uh, different things that we do that that are more, um, like, I mean, our church is, is what people would say a hugging church. <laughs> so we, we've always done our, our welcome time, and it's one of those longer, uh, for new people, unfortunately, sometimes awkward, uh, times where, you know, people are hugging one another and, and greeting one another. And, um, so that was hard for our church to get their heads around. There's still some that you can see are just ready to hug them and then look around and realize, oh, I shouldn't do that. (laughs) So, um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think it'll make us more thoughtful. I don't know if it'll change things like that to some extent, but at least, more aware and more thoughtful about how we do it and the precautions we take. Um, but, um, yeah, there have been some interesting things regarding like, um, the amount of songs that we sing, um, being more aware of that and more aware of, uh, of how we do things to engage our congregation. Um, the kids talk thing has been really good for our kids and one of the things that we might do, because we, we've already been kind of a church that's wanted to integrate the ages more, um, to not just have 
you know, seniors ministry and youth group and kids ministry and nowhere shall the shall they meet. Um, but to have more engagement between everyone. And so one of the things that we've talked about is not having kids um, that are older primary ages. Um, like right now, we had a junior church just till grade three. And then we had something for grade four to grade eight. Um, and just the idea of not doing that, not grade eight, sorry, grade four to grade six, um, but not having something for grade fours to grade sixes and just having them in the service and having more people aware of kids being in the service. Um, things like that are, are going to be helpful going forward. Um, and yeah, it, it's, if anything, this has just created more flexibility in our liturgy of the service yeah. of how we, how and where we put things, um, and changing the announcements to the end has been very different for uh, us, and, and I've liked it. Um, but at the same time, I don't like it in the sense that if there's if we end on a really reflective note, um, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and here are some announcements. Um, but we took them out of the space in the middle of the service because we felt that there was there was just that flow of the worship into the sermon that we didn't want to interrupt. And so it's figuring out all that stuff. Um, we've put them a long time ago at the beginning of the service, but it's Avalon time and no one's there <laughs> to hear them. So every church that's on time. Uh -huh. it, we thought maybe it would encourage people to come early, but it didn't. So <laughs> I heard of one church, they fully removed announcements out of their, like, years back, they removed their announcements out of their service. So, like, church isn't for announcements. Mm -hmm. So they removed it. They put it before the service started, and they're like, if you care about announcements, you'll come early. If you don't, that's on you. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, I'm kind of interesting. Now that I've gained a bit more ministry experience, it's like, how did that church pull that off? Yeah. Just being, like... Be here on to that, be here early or miss announcements. It's like that's a bold move that that church did. Well, in the church I was at previously before here, um, we had pulled announcements out altogether. Our lead pastor felt that that was important, and there was at most like one amount announcement once in a while. Um, but we just he had said, "Read your bulletin. That's where they all are." And, uh, and I think we had slides before and after the service or something like that. So it, uh, in coming here, it was interesting because the very first Sunday that I was here, I had someone come up and say, so can I announce this at the end of the service or in the announcements? And I was thinking like in the other church that I was at, not only were announcements hardly ever there, no one, but the pastors would be the ones announcing and and I always struggled with that a bit. I always felt like I feel announcements are one of those things. Like for for a senior pastor at or lead pastor at the other church, he would he said it's about knowing and being careful about the the new people in the church. And I felt like yeah, but even as a new person, like hearing the announcements and hearing what's going on in the church speaks to the life of the church. It tells you what's going on here and that this church is kind of a family that's doing things together and that sort of thing. 
Um, so I've always kind of seen announcements as being helpful. So coming here, I, I liked the idea that there was announcements, but it just was surprising to me how um, how this church does announcements and how, uh, you know, and, and I've actually grown to like that. I am a little more, bit more careful than probably they were used to about when we do the announcements. And I've set, you know, two weeks before and no more than that, because otherwise people just stop listening to it, but they hear it for four weeks before the event or that sort yeah. of thing. But, um, but I think it's meaningful for people to hear it from the person who's in the lead of that ministry. Um, so I like that. Okay. Yeah. So that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you want to comment on? Um, yeah, not, nothing that I can uh, think of um, other than that I just appreciate you doing this. And uh, I think it's great that you're, you're thinking through it um, at probably a time where we need to, you're helping us pastors think through it too, <laughs> making sure that we're giving uh, actual reflection to this rather than just acti- act- acting in a reactive way, um, yeah. but being proactive and, and theologically reflective about it. Okay, well, thank you all for coming today mm. and joining me on this. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rob, for joining me today and for um, being a part of this and all your insights. And now we'll move into the post-show where I've got Calvin with me. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of discuss, just me and Calvin, kind of our impressions from what Rob had to share. So I'll just kind of open it up with, um, how Rob's church, Avalon Alliance, they didn't focus so much on the online and the tech stuff, which is what I've been kind of expecting going into these interviews. And so that kind of threw me off where they were like, tech is secondary, online is secondary, we're called to be the local church. Is there anything you want to... Uh, there, Calvin. Yeah, I think it was a really interesting perspective where they just focused, instead of using this time to use as an outreach, they were just more folk, or they were just more focused inward. And I think that's just an interesting perspective. And you brought that up in the episode where you even kind of pressed on him, where you're like, because they moved all of their social media aspect into private. And Rob was like, yeah, it's just family and friends that were... Family and friends and old members that were... Like, he was more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Specimistic. Or... What's that? How do you pronounce that word? Pessimistic? pessimistic there's more pessimistic about that growth that other churches have been seeing and instead just was more inward focused and i wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing moving forward because as you are very involved at westgate 
And Westgate has done a really good job of embracing that tag. How much is that? How are how many people are they converting from the couches to the pews? Yeah, and that's very much kind of the discussion churches are having now is how do we go from couch to pew? Where at and as we've been pushing this online um how does that relate to um how does that relate to those that were already in the church? What are they how are they perceiving all this push online? So could you distance and alienate some of your original congregation through an online push? Potentially, whereas and you only have a limited amount of resources as a church, especially a smaller staffed church like Avalon, so it's if they spent a lot of energy um engaging an online audience and trying to get growth and then trying to uh get people new viewers from the couch to the pew. That's gonna be a big time consumption and do they have the time for that? They could, but then they might um, lose, or they'd have less time to dedicate to their original congregation. And so it's kind of, they've been able to continue building community within their congregation, and that's going to draw people anyways, so. Yeah, and I think the one thing that a lot of people are missing as, through this, we're what, eight, ten months in, almost ten months into this lockdown, the season, is the, com- is the community. And that's one thing that Avalon has really just tried to embrace of what do we do well and how can we do this well moving forward. And they already grappled with we do community well, so how are we going to adapt what we do well into our time, into the season? And the season of isolation and community, those are polar opposites in the polar opposites of the spectrum, but they're finding a way to find that middle ground of working with developing a community in isolation, even though it might look different, it's still the same thing. Another thing is they're not a church that as soon as they could meet in person, they didn't just completely abandon uh, online either. They they still kept all their online infrastructure. They're still using their Facebook group. They're still having an online service for those in the congregation. So kind of while they've been skeptical of online growth, they haven't abandoned their online infrastructure either, right? So it's not, hey, we can meet in person. We're just going to meet in person and we're going to forget about all this online stuff we've been doing, but they've carried it forward. They've still done some upgrades into their system. So they haven't neglected it either. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I had another point, but then I forgot what I was going to say in that. It's one of those things where they just... Oh, this is where I'm going to say. It was interesting where Rob just, during the online presence, went to more of a devotional aspect instead of a sermon. And <clears throat> I think that's actually a really smart smart way of doing it because we're in a different environment and he was preaching in a different environment where how many distractions are you at is there at home and how many distractions is there when you're sitting at the pew and he adapted his he adapted his sermon and his teaching style to the to the environment that he was teaching in and the other thing with that adaption, what's the word I'm looking for? He adapted, but on the other side of it, it was kind of necessary, or not other side, that's the wrong word, um, but kind of you can't, or especially in early stage, there's a lot of screen fatigue, and people mm-hmm. were tired of Zoom calls, they were Within that first month, people were like, I don't want to do another Zoom call. I don't want to watch another online content thing. And so having it shorter makes it more engaging because people are less likely to click off, right? You look at churches, or you look at YouTube algorithms and YouTube analytics and it's people click off. So it's kind of making it short and sweet is necessary. Yeah, and I think that's something that was really good is he realized that. And a lot of the, there's like the two dynamics. And like this is really the only only church I saw that really fully embraced the shorter content. Other than the shorter content on their Sunday service instead of just doing what they've done in front of an empty crowd and in front of video cameras. I've seen other churches embrace shorter content. I haven't seen other churches fully embrace it to the point Avalon did. I think Avalon's one of the first churches where they decided to embrace the shorter format in a way that wasn't just cutting off or narrowing their worship set and getting rid of the fluff, but they were also like, let's shorten sermons um i also think i've seen churches embrace the shorter content for the weekend weekdays but not for their sunday service and i think that was a really interesting aspect of avalon so yeah definitely um and what we kind of touched on their approach to intentionally focus inwards the idea of questioning who the additional views are. Like, you could view it as pessimistic, or you could also view it as kind of a more realistic approach, where it's like, hey, how many unique views do I have? Or is it that person that clicks off when it's a song they don't like, they give it five minutes, and then they click back on, and that 
YouTube counts that as a second view, right? So it's... Yeah. What is... How many unique viewers? And that was something that Rob was hinting at was the idea of unique viewers. And I think that's very much true. Is that and I think... Part? Yeah, and I think having that aspect of... I think churches in general love numbers. And if you have numbers were successful. But one thing I appreciated about Rob is questioning those numbers. Uh, We have the numbers, but let's take a deeper look into those numbers. And what are those numbers actually saying? Yeah, definitely. And like, that's one of those things where it's thinking about those numbers. Another thing I found that was really cool was how robust all the other ministries were. Like, they're running a midweek children's ministry. They're running youth quizzing. So they've got all these programs fired back up within their restrictions. And so it's kind of a lot of churches, they've been like, oh, we can't run those programs fully, so we've stopped, whereas Avalon's like, we've got a building, our group sizes are capped at 15, so we won't intermingle our groups, and then we'll keep running our programs, and so I thought that was really well. And I think... I think one of the things that has held some churches back is we can't do it like we used to, and then they kind of sit in that box of, cool, let's just work, let's just not do it. While Avalon was, why are we in that box? And even even, uh, Rob was saying this too, is God's still God. And the message is still Jesus, God died for you and loves you and has a plan for you. So let's step out of this box of tradition and let's think of what we can do to reach reach everyone. And I, the one criticism I, I do kind of have with Rob is an Avalon. And I, I'm not sure if that's all Rob's aspect. But their inward focus, instead of trying to, not even trying to embracing the online community, but their local community, because Rob was very much saying he was the local church, but they were very inward focused. Yeah. Um, so. It's one of those, how do you find a balance? Um Especially as people are less likely to go out right now. How do you balance these different things? Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things that churches have to figure out is where does... Do we try and be outwardly or inwardly? And I think there's a church needs to be in the middle 
But it's easy to swing one side to the other. Yeah, and how do I want to phrase this? It's kind of our traditional means of evangelism are struggling, right? Nobody's going to walk into, if they're on the fence, they're going to use COVID as an excuse to stay on the fence and they're not going to return to service, right? COVID has very much become the excuse, so it's how do you reach your local congregation? How do we do evangelism during COVID? Yeah, and I think that's where online is can be already utilized because people are willing to watch a video if it video on their couch instead of coming to a church so but yeah overall like it's just a different perspective from your other guests of let's embrace the technology let's go let's run with this well and we're doing good numbers So now Avalon was kind of the opposite of let's slow it down, let's figure out, they were very intentional of what are we good at and how do we continue doing, how do we continue using our strengths in this time? Yeah, definitely. As we, uh, as we're approaching the closing, Something that's really interesting is, first off, Brandon, we should call this segment Coffee and Tea with Calvin and Brandon because you're drinking tea, I'm drinking coffee. It's a good kind of segment. So as we're coming to close on this episode, we want to hear what you guys think. What do you think about being inwardly focused and outwardly focused in this season of the church? Should we... uh, what do you think we should do? And what would you do if you were in charge of in, in charge of a program? Should we uh, should we question our numbers? Should we do all of these things? As Rob made us the Rob was a great guest as he uh, challenged what we have seen in the past. He wanted to rethink our numbers and rethink everything. As we questioned, how should that change our approach or change our approach or continue what we're doing questions are good and answers are good we have to think about we have to be practical in this season of the church okay so yeah interact with us on social media or on instagram at pod theology and Thank you for joining us on this episode.